what do I know? Of course, the very last thing Sloane felt like doing at the moment, on the heels of a three-hour drive, was being on the receiving end of her mother's barrage of questions. Thankfully, her mom had invited Sloane's aunt to join them. With any luck, that would divert the focus from her. Sloane pulled into the parking lot of an off-the-beaten-path vegan restaurant, which must have been selected by her aunt. Apparently, they had the best tofu curry this side of South Asia. Period. Who could argue with that? She pushed in the front door and immediately homed in on her mother flailing her arms in the far corner to wave her over to their table. A blind man could have spotted her. How's my baby girl? Sloane's mother swooped in, kissing her forcefully on either side of the mouth as she crushed her cheeks between her fleshy palms. I'm fine, Mom. That hurts. She shuffled into the booth and reached for a napkin to eradicate the tangerine lip stain she'd undoubtedly been branded with. Twice. You need to put some meat on those bones. Her mother surveyed her with one eye half-closed, taking in everything from her faded purple crocs with their flattened backs to the Red Sox baseball cap she was wearing to conceal her day three without washing chestnut brown hair. Did you lose more weight? I don't know, Mom. She did know, and she had. Ten pounds in the past month alone. Quite unintentionally. I'm just stressed out, I guess. You kids these days in your stress. I have a lot on my mind is all. Sloane spread her menu in front of her face, intending it as a makeshift barrier, as if that would discourage her mother's third degree. Margaret Allen was not one to be discouraged, ever. As a devout Catholic, somewhat ironic in light of her overbearing and overfeeding tendencies, she would have made a great Jew, as well as a lifetime busybody. Her claim to fame was that she hadn't missed a Sunday at church in 36 years, not even when she'd given birth to Sloane's younger sister, Amy, on a Saturday afternoon. God couldn't have forgiven that? I'm listening. I'm not really in the mood to talk about it now. Sloane fidgeted with the frayed corner of her menu. Well, fine. Then how's my granddaughter? Did she cry when you left? No, Mom. She's nine. So? You bawled for three hours when Daddy and I dropped you at day camp. I did not. You most certainly did. She nodded, as if she'd never been as sure of something in her entire life. Do they feed her at this camp? No, they starve them. Very funny. Maddie is skinny enough. I hope she doesn't lose weight. She paused. I'm going to send her a care package with some of my brownies. They don't allow them to receive food in the mail, Mom. That's ridiculous. It's the rule, Sloane shrugged. Well, it sounds like jail to me. It's not jail, Mom. Believe me, jail doesn't cost a fortune. Well, hello, ladies. Sloane's aunt floated toward them, her commanding voice drawing the attention of almost everyone in their vicinity, 
despite the fact that Annabelle Winston was a woman whose presence needed no verbal introduction. Today, she was bedecked in a caftan that looked more suitable for Woodstock circa 1969 than present-day Brookline, Massachusetts, with its swirling rainbow of colors and coordinated handkerchief-inspired headband, if you could really call the tattered piece of fabric tied across her forehead a headband. During Sloane's childhood and well into her teenage years, her aunt had represented everything her mother wasn't. She would descend upon their modest New England salt-box house bearing exotic gifts— such as the worry dolls from Guatemala she'd instructed Sloane to place under her pillow before going to bed to ensure a good night's sleep. Annabelle Winston did not cook. She most certainly did not clean. She didn't help with homework or wipe tears away when knees were bruised. But she did regale Sloane and Amy with tales of her...